Welcome to the iMatter Podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Welcome to the iMeta Podcast. I want to talk today about the future of conferences. As a conference speaker myself, I get to attend many conferences, probably more than most people. And that means that I get not a unique perspective, but certainly a different perspective and maybe a broader perspective than most people. And it's interesting to see what's happening with conferences. Some of this is based on my own experience, some based on what colleagues say to me, and some on what conference organizers themselves are saying to me. Some conferences are thriving with everybody, the delegates, the sponsors, the exhibitors, the speakers, and the organizers themselves loving the experience and people say it's the best conference ever. Others are just surviving, struggling to get registrations, get sponsors, even struggling to get enthusiasm for the conference. And I hear people saying things like they're just too busy to take the time out to attend a conference. The sessions don't provide enough value anymore. They can get the same value in other ways. So they're the people who are thriving, the people who are surviving, and of course, everything in between as well. And all of these problems that people are talking about are true. They're not just in people's imaginations. So why are some conferences thriving and others just surviving or even nosediving? So I want to talk about that today. And if you're a leader, it's important to understand the future of conferences. You might be running a conference yourself for your team or your organization. You might be attending conferences and want to get the most out of them. Or you might be sending your team members to conferences and you want them to get the most out of it and also to come back and share their ideas with the rest of the team. I can tell you that there's no magic formula for making a magic conference, but you can look at what's happening everywhere else in the world in every other industry and see how that applies to conferences as well. People can connect faster online so they don't need to come to a conference to connect live. The conference lets them attend in person and connect in person, but they can still connect live using things like video conferencing and FaceTime and, and Skype and GoToMeeting, and those tools are becoming more popular. Our world is also flat in so many ways now. We don't like sitting and listening to lectures. Uh, we can learn skills through free online courses. Gen Ys want to have their say in any group, and so on. So, and all of these things are affecting the conference experience. And many of the things that conferences did well can now be done for much less money in other ways. So, what's the future of conferences? Well, I'm glad you asked because I've identified 10 things that great conference organizers do now to create really transformational experiences. And even if you're not a conference organizer, I think you'll find them useful when thinking about your own events and also when you and your team members attend other people's events. We've got some great online collaboration technology now. Video conferencing, online meetings, telepresence, webinars, maybe even in the future holograms. And all of that technology is getting better and it's becoming more popular and more common. So what does it mean for that in-person conference, the chance for you to meet face-to-face, belly-to-belly with a bunch of other people, like-minded people with a common interest and you get together in a conference setting? Does that mean that it's obsolete? No, the in-person conference is not obsolete, not by a long way, but it's changed and its role has changed because many of the things that we used to do when we used to get together and meet with people, we don't have to do anymore because we've got other ways of doing that. But that's a good thing. If you're a conference organizer, if you're an event planner, meeting planner, then you can focus on the things that make that whole in-person conference experience special. So let's look at 10 trends affecting our personal and professional lives and how conference organizers can take advantage of them. And there are good conference organizers and great conference organizers. The good conference organizers adapt to these changes and the great ones embrace them and create really transformational conference experiences. So the first one is a shift from networking to connections. 
People have always attended conferences for the chance to connect and reconnect with their peers and colleagues. And good conference organizers already know this, and they know the importance of creating spaces during the conference for networking and relationship building. What great conference organizers do differently is they facilitate this by expanding it to include connections with speakers and even delegates before they turn up to the conference. So here are some things that you can do. You could publish the speaker's contact details, especially their LinkedIn address, on the conference website so the delegates can, can connect with them before they attend the conference. And if appropriate, you can publish the delegate names and contact details as well. And again, LinkedIn is a really good tool to use so that people can connect with each other before they turn up to the conference. So LinkedIn is really the best social media platform for connecting people at conferences. Of course, there are many conferences who publish a Facebook page and they have Twitter as well. And those are things that you can do, but I really recommend that you look at LinkedIn as well. So first of all, it's a business and a professional platform. So many of your delegates will already be on LinkedIn. And uh, many of your speakers, your sponsors, your exhibitors and panelists are already using it as well. It's not as private as Facebook. Some people like to keep Facebook just for their private communication. And it's not as public as Twitter. It's somewhere in the middle. And it seems to be the right balance for connecting with people at a conference. It also provides space for positioning and profiling. And that's, in fact, one of its main benefits, that you do position yourself and profile yourself on LinkedIn. And it's got some other features as well, things like publishing. So you can publish articles on LinkedIn Pulse. You can connect with people. You can write recommendations and testimonials. And you can collaborate with people online. So think about using LinkedIn as the main social media platform that you give your delegates, speakers, sponsors, exhibitors, everybody, the chance to connect with each other. Number two, there's a shift from promotion to preparation. Don't assume that your delegates are only going to start thinking when they turn up at the conference itself. Now, because of technology, you can get them thinking well before they take their seats. And good conference organizers, before the conference, use a variety of promotional tools. They do things like speaker videos, email bursts, social media, and in-person promotion. And great conference organizers take this further. So they don't just do promotion, they help delegates prepare by sparking conversations, by seeding ideas, and building momentum for the conference sessions. So here are some of the things that you can do, and you can enlist your speakers in this as well. So ask your speakers to write a 400 or 500 word article about their topic, so that people know a little bit about what they're going to speak about. Um, ask them to create a 60 second video, and all they have to do is ask three key questions for delegates to consider before they turn up to the session. Interview your key leaders and influencers about their key messages and offer them as MP3 downloads uh, that you send out with your email blasts. And if you do have a Twitter hashtag for your conference, then don't just wait until the conference itself to start using it. Start using it before the conference as well to promote interesting material. Number three, there's a shift from just attending to participating. So your audience mix is changing. You have people from three different generations broadly. You have the baby boomers, the Gen Xs, and the Gen Ys. The boomers are the ones who are happy to just sit and listen to lecture-style presentations. I know that's a generalization, but it's pretty true. But the boomers make up only about one-third of any conference audience. So good conference organizers also cater to the Gen Xs. And they're the people who like group participation and facilitation. They like working in workshops. Now, great conference organizers also cater to the Gen Ys and Millennials because they like individuality, they like social media, they like technology, and they want all of those things seamlessly integrated into the conference experience.
So what can you do as a conference organizer? So first of all, make sure that if you do have a Twitter hashtag, and I recommend you do, then promote it and promote it widely during the conference. You might even choose to appoint social media leaders to seed the online conversations and then other people will come on board. Who are you going to appoint as your leaders? Well, Gen Y is the obvious choice, but you may have other people in your team as well. You can ask your speakers to tweet key messages from their presentation, even during their presentation. And there are ways that they can do that. Like magic, while they're presenting, their key messages that they're talking about from the stage are coming out in the Twitter stream. You can even choose to live stream some of your sessions, which means that they're available to people outside the conference as well. And then, of course, you should be encouraging your speakers, your sponsors and your exhibitors to share the conference messages to their online networks as well, before the conference, during the conference and after the conference as well. Number four is a shift from information to insights. We don't need any more information in our lives, and we certainly don't need to attend a conference to get the information that we need. And good conference organizers know this. They create programs that balance information with things like interaction, collaboration, participation. Great conference organizers take this a step further. They look for insights that happen in the moment during the conference. They package them up for future reference, and then they distribute them in in bite-sized chunks. So here's some of the things that you can do. Coach your internal speakers in the use of visual stories and audience interaction in their sessions so that their session doesn't become just a big information dump or a data dump. And then when you're looking at external speakers, make sure that you book external speakers who can not only deliver great information, but they can help participants make sense of the information overload in their lives. And then, if you like using technology, go to storify.com and create a story to capture key ideas and insights from the conference. Number five is a shift from energy to flow. If you've organized any sort of event, you know that managing your conference delegates can be a little bit like herding cats. And one of your biggest challenges is keeping their attention, their focus, and their energy. And good conference organizers know how to do this. They manage their delegates' energy by arranging the program to balance things like action and reflection, listening and talking, education and entertainment. Now, great conference organizers, they do those things, but they also align everything with the conference theme, and they help their delegates flow through the conference so they can manage their own energy and achieve their own goals. So, here are some of the things that you can do. You should brief your speakers, your sponsors, and exhibitors about your organization, the audience expectations, and especially the conference theme. And emphasize to speakers that they must present a session that's customized and tailored to the audience and theme, especially external speakers. You don't want them to just take an off-the-shelf presentation and just present it and make it completely independent of the conference theme. You should also coach the MC to tweak the speaker introductions and even the session announcements to make sure that they're aligned with the conference theme as well. So think about how you do your briefing for your speakers. Do you send your briefing notes to help your speakers prepare? Here are a few of the questions that I ask clients when I'm booked to speak at their conference. And the best speakers will ask these questions, but many of them won't. So you may want to make a note of them so you can use them to brief your speakers. So here are some of them. What do you want my presentation to accomplish? What do you want your audience to do or do better as a result of my presentation? How would these results affect their professional and or personal lives? What's their current attitude about the topic? How receptive are they to change? And how will you measure the results of my presentation in three to six months? 
Are all your speakers asking you those questions? Because they should, because that way they can tailor their presentation to match your goals, your audience expectations, and the conference theme. Number six is a shift from gadgets to tools. Now, I've got a bit of a technology background, so I kind of like technology and I like new technology. And I know that technology does have the power to transform the entire conference experience, but only if it's used effectively and not just as a random collection of bright, shiny objects. And good conference organizers use technology and techniques such as a conference app, they'll have online session bookings, and they'll have downloadable resources and an online conference handbook and program. Now, great conference organizers use technology that doesn't just replace what you used to do with our technology, but it enhances and transforms the in-person experience rather than just making it more efficient or more affordable. So here's some of the things that you could do. First of all, make sure that you provide reliable and high-speed Wi-Fi for your delegates. This can make or break all the other technology that you use. And one of the biggest complaints at conferences is that the Wi-Fi doesn't work or it keeps dropping out or it's too slow. So invest some time and money, if you need to, in really good, reliable, high-speed Wi-Fi. Um, you could also use QR codes, and you might need to teach your delegates how to use them on all your printed material. Even, for example, you might have signs outside each conference room, uh, and you change the sign for each breakout session, and that has a QR code which people can use to find out more information about the speaker, the topic, and maybe even download the handouts. And always keep asking, how can we get more from this technology, not just look at how can we use some different technology? And as I said, beware the bright, shiny objects. So, for example, these are some of the things that are common in conferences, but consider whether they really add value. Some of them do, but some of them don't. Prezi, which is an alternative to PowerPoint, it makes very visually appealing presentations, but sometimes it's just used for the, the wow value rather than providing anything useful. Electronic polling systems, are you using them because they're really useful or can you just get people to put up their hands? Geofencing technology, things like iBeacon. Having an on-stage Twitter stream rather than just have the conference hashtag in the audience. 3D imaging. So some of those things can be useful and if they're used well, they can really enhance experience, but sometimes they're just bright, shiny objects. On the other hand, these are some technologies that usually are valuable for your conference delegates. I've already said free, fast and reliable Wi-Fi for your delegates, a charging station so people can charge their phones, their laptops, a conference app if it's done well, a Twitter hashtag for your conference if it's done well, QR codes and printed material, and as I said, use LinkedIn. Now you may not agree with my list and you may see some things that have been done really well, for example in Prezi or with geofencing, and you may have seen some other things that are done badly, and that's okay. The point I'm making is that I'd like you to think about any technology that you're using that you use because it's really valuable and enhances the experience rather than just because it's new. Number seven is the shift from corridor conversations to in-session collaboration. If so many delegates think that the conversations they have outside the sessions are the most valuable part of the conference, why do you bother with the sessions? Well, the sessions are valuable and good conference organizers know this and they know that the sessions are important, but also they make sure that the sessions allow opportunities for participants to chat, contribute and collaborate in the sessions. Now, great conference organizers look beyond the list of delegates and the conference itself and they tap into the extended community for conversation and collaboration. So what can you do? So first, design and program sessions that allow 
back and forth interaction with the presenters, group discussions and one-on-one conversations. Use the conference Twitter hashtag to spark conversations, to ask and answer questions and invite input and feedback, even from people who aren't at the conference. And then, on that theme, why don't you provide a live stream of selected sessions and enable anybody to comment on that, even people who are outside. And you may be wondering, can you afford to let the outsiders in? So if you open up your conference material to outsiders with things like live streaming and Twitter hashtags and public comments, doesn't that diminish the value of registrations? Doesn't that reduce the value of being at the conference itself? No, not if you do it right. The power of your conference is in the people, not the material. And people have more influence than ever before. Your delegates have access to networks that you could never reach. By allowing them to share with their networks, you gain access to those networks as well. And I'm even talking about in-house conferences, where the people who are attending are employees of one organization. Even those people now, with things like social media, have access to networks that you otherwise wouldn't be able to reach. Now, you don't have to provide access to everything from the conference. Just choose bits and pieces at first and watch what happens. Chances are you'll improve the value for everybody, including yourself. Number eight is a shift from skills to shifts. See, there's so many channels available now for learning new skills, and a conference isn't usually near the top of the list. Now, I know this is a little bit controversial because some people attend a conference to learn skills, but generally, there are better ways of doing that. And good conference organizers might include some sessions for developing skills, and that's valuable, and they make sure that they provide multiple streams to help participants self-select the most valuable sessions. Now, great conference organizers focus on shifting thinking rather than teaching skills, and they plan the conference program around ideas, mindsets, and inspiration for new ways of thinking. So what are some of the things you could do? Make sure you choose speakers who can change the audience's minds and also show them how to get there from here. Then when you schedule your sessions, choose sessions that encourage fearless conversations on controversial topics. And ask your keynote speakers to provide breakout sessions that reinforce their key messages so that you get their ideas in the keynote session and then you get practical implementation in the breakout session. You can also provide access to online courses for skills training because online courses have really transformed the way that people can learn new skills. So instead of using your valuable conference resources for training, encourage people to use online courses instead. And there's some large online course providers like Coursera, but I recommend you start with smaller providers like opentostudy.com. That's open, the number two, and then study.com. It's still high quality. It's backed by Australian and New Zealand universities. And all you do is you go there for courses related to your conference theme and link to them from the conference website and from the mobile app. It gives people the chance to learn some new skills. And they probably won't do it during the conference, but they might do it before or after. Number nine is the shift from event to journey. See, conference shouldn't just be a single event in a participant's life. It's one part of an engaging journey. And good conference organizers show participants how to get more value from the conference material after they leave the room. And great conference organizers create ways for participants themselves to keep the learning alive. So here are some things you could do. Ask all your speakers to suggest post-conference activities that keep the learning alive after their sessions. You could create mastermind groups or buddies for participants to keep each other accountable. 
And you, as the conference organizer, can take responsibility to host follow-up sessions, things like webinars, video conferencing, and mastermind groups, again, to keep the learning alive. And number 10 is a shift from online substitute to online enhancement. We started by talking about online collaboration tools, and as I said earlier, they can replace some of what happens at the conference. Now, some people see that as a threat, but I'd rather that you see it as an opportunity. Good conference organizers create hybrid events by adding online components before and after the conference. Great conference organizers treat the combination of online and in-person events as part of one continuous learning journey. So here are some things you could do. You could ask your speakers to provide additional online resources in a variety of formats, written, video, audio, interactive. During the conference, you could have somebody or a team of people to capture the key takeaways and then you drip feed them by email to the delegates after the conference. And then you could help each participant create their own personal learning network for ongoing actions. A personal learning network, or what's called a PLN, is simply the set of tools that people use for learning. It could be blogs, videos, podcasts, interviews, written material. It's the way that they learn and the way that they learn best. So, those are 10 things that great conference organizers do. And the good news is that you don't have to change everything. I've heard people suggesting that you just throw out the whole conference format and completely replace it with something else. Now, that's one option, but it's not the only one. As you can see from the ideas that I've shared here, you can add, mix, complement, enhance, and extend the traditional conference format to create a better experience for everyone. There are some other things that you can do, but you don't have to do them all at once. Now, if you like these ideas, then I can help you. I am a conference keynote speaker, but when you book me, you get more than just a presentation. I can help you implement some of the ideas that I've shared here to improve the experience for your next conference, not just from my presentation, but for everybody. So, for example, here are some of the most common ways that I help conference organizers who book me, apart from delivering a great presentation, of course, and providing additional online resources, providing post-conference modules to keep the learning alive, doing interviews with key people before the conference so you can use them in your promotional and your preparation material, creating promotional videos and slideshows of my session to help people prepare, giving you a selection of articles and audio programs to use in your promotional material and your preparation material. And there's more than that. Just ask. And if you like these ideas that I've shared with you about the future of conferences, you have my permission to share this widely. I'd love to see better conferences because great conference organizers are using some of the things that are available now to enhance the conference experience and to really transform people's lives, both their personal lives and their professional lives. I hope you enjoyed that. I've also written a short special report called The Future of Conferences and that looks at those 10 things in more detail. And if you'd like a copy, just go to gihanspeaks.com and a window will pop up giving you the chance to download it. It's free, so please take it with my compliments. That's gihanspeaks.com, G-I-H-A-N-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. You might know that I run a monthly webinar series called Future Proof, and it's about topics that affect us all in the future, and it's particularly for leaders and business owners who want to know what's coming up for their team, their organization, and their industry. The next webinar is on Thursday, the 19th of November, and it's called The Big Deal About Big Data. There's been a lot of buzz, a lot of hype about big data, and there's also a lot of confusion about it, what it is, what it means, and what it means for you in particular. Some people hype it up because they want you to buy their big data software, and others talk it down 
because they want to keep promoting their own non-big data services. Now, I don't have a horse in this particular race, but I do want you to understand the concepts. Big data is a big deal, and I want to show you what it means so that you can then make more informed decisions for your business, for your team, for your organization. Now, this webinar is part of my ongoing webinar series. It's called Future Proof. These are free webinars, and you can register at seeingintothefuture.com. That's seeing into the future.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and your professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanperera.com. You can also find out about my mentoring programs if you're interested in one-on-one work for yourself or your teams. And I also run a membership site for leaders to help with creating an online footprint, for marketing your business, for getting things done in a chaotic world, and for delivering more magnetic messages. You can find out more at egurus.info. That's E-G-U-R-U-S dot info. And if you do want to engage with me in other ways, again, go to gihanperera.com where you can find my blog, my newsletter, my podcast, videos and webinar series. They're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of the individuals in your organization, your team and, of course, your own potential as well. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. You've been listening to the iMatter Podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit iMatterPodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.